Greetings, friends. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website can be found at scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, this morning we are looking for some wisdom and some encouragement from the Psalms and from the Proverbs. We're going to be looking at Psalm 21 and 22 today, and Proverbs chapter 16 today. Now, Psalm 21 is just a short psalm, 13 verses. It's just a psalm of praise and joy. But then Psalm 22, a little bit longer, 31 verses. And this happens to be the prophetic psalm about the crucifixion. And uh, you'll clearly see that uh, as we read through it uh, this morning. And then Proverbs 16 is one of those Proverbs that's just chock full of verses and things that you've probably heard over and over because it's just one of those that has uh, lots of truth and lots of verses uh, that people have committed to memory. And so I think you're going to be really blessed by this morning's uh, study. So without further delay, let's just begin. I'm reading from the King James Bible this morning. Let's read starting with Psalm 21. 13 verses here. The king shall joy in thy strength, O Lord, and in thy salvation how greatly shall he rejoice. Thou hast given him his heart's desire, and hast not withholden the request of his lips. For thou preventest him with the blessing of goodness, thou settest a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked life of thee, and thou gavest it him, even length of days forever and ever. His glory is great in thy salvation, honor and majesty hast thou laid upon him. For thou hast made him most blessed forever, thou hast made him exceedingly glad with thy countenance. For the king trusteth in the Lord, and through the mercy of the Most High he shall not be moved. Thy hand shall find out all thy enemies. Thy right hand shall find out those that hate thee. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thy anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. Their fruit shall thou destroy from the earth, and their seed from among the children of men. For they intended evil against thee. They imagined a mischief, mischief, mischievous device which they are not able to perform. Therefore shall thou make them turn their back, when thou shalt make ready thy arrows upon the strings against the face of them. Be thou exalted, Lord, in thy own strength, so will we sing and praise thy power. And so that is Psalm 21. It has an interesting little, almost like prophetic feel to it as well as it relates to how God's going to deal with the wicked. Look what it says. Thy hand shall find out all thy enemies. Thy right hand shall find out all those that hate thee. Thou shalt make them as a fiery oven in the time of thy anger. The Lord shall swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire shall devour them. Their fruit shall thou destroy from the earth, and their seed from among the children of men, for they intended evil against thee. They imagined mischievous devices which they are not able to perform. All right. Now, again, Psalm 22, 
was a prophetic psalm about the crucifixion, and it's going to be extreme. It's going to be very clear uh, right out of the gate. And of course, we have the privilege of hindsight, right? Like we can easily. But if you would have been reading this in, let's say, a hundred years before Christ, or even two days before the crucifixion, you would have never imagined that this was a prophetic psalm or that it had anything to do with anything. Let's check it out. Verse 1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me and from the words of my roaring? O my God, I cry in the daytime, but thou hearest not, and in the night season, and I am not silent. But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. Our fathers trusted in thee. They trusted, and thou didst delivered them. They cried unto thee, and were delivered. They trusted in thee, and were not confounded. But I am a worm, and no man, a reproach of men, and despised of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him, let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. Real quick, uh, well, I'm not going to look it up, but what's coming to mind is when he's on the cross and, they're, and, he, and he cries out, and they're like, and, and you remember when the religious people are like, he's crying out for Elijah, let's see if Elijah comes and rescues him. Remember what I'm talking about? Let me read verse 8 again. He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. So, let's continue on verse 9. But thou art he that took me out of the womb. Thou didst make me hope when I was upon my mother's breast. I was cast upon thee from the womb. Thou art my God from my mother's belly. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, for there is none to help. Many bulls have compassed me, strong bulls of Bashan have beset me around. They gapped upon me with their mouths as ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted in the mist of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a... Uh, like a postured, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws, and thou brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me, they pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell of all my bones, they look and stare upon me, they part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be now thou thou not far from me, O Lord. O my strength, hast thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword and my darling from the power of the dogs. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren, and in the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Ye that fear the Lord, praise him, all ye the seed of Jacob. Glorify him and fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. 
For he hath not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, neither hath he hid his face from him. But when he cried unto him, he heard. My praise shall be of thee in the great congregation. I will pay my vows before them that fear him. The meek shall eat and be satisfied. They shall praise the Lord that seek him. Your heart shall live forever. All the ends of the world shall be remembered and turned unto the Lord. And all kindreds of the nation shall worship before thee. For the kingdom is the Lord's, and he is the governor among the nations. All they that be fat upon the earth shall eat and worship, and all they that go down to the dust shall bow before him, and none can keep alive his own soul. A seed shall serve him, and it shall be accounted to the Lord for a generation. They shall come and shall declare his righteousness unto a people that shall be born, that he hath done this. And that is Psalm 22. All right. Let's look for some wisdom. Proverbs chapter 16, a continuation of the contrast between good and evil. Although we're going to get into it. We're not really going to discuss doctrine much here. Um, but we will be touching on one that is a little difficult uh, to accept for many people. And it's going to happen right out of the gate. So let's go Proverbs chapter 16 and see what it has to say for us this morning. Verse 1. The preparations of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own eyes, but the Lord weigheth the spirit. Commit thy works unto the Lord, and thy thoughts shall be established. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Now that's the one I wanted to stop on for just a moment. Let's read that real quickly again. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. So according to the Proverbs here, everything that, everything's been made, God made it. He made it for himself, for his own glory, right? And that includes the wicked for the purpose of the day of evil. So we're dealing with the sovereignty of God even over the unsaved, which is difficult a difficult concept to to try to grasp, to try to understand. Some might, for example, we've been going through Exodus. Some might read Exodus and go, is it really Pharaoh's fault? I mean, he would send Moses and say, do this, but then God would harden Pharaoh's heart, so he really didn't even have a choice in the matter. Some might even say that about Judas. You know, Satan entered him, and then he went and did this betrayal thing. Did he really have a choice? And then we might, if we were to get, if we were to become so arrogant, we might say, is anything I do even my fault? I mean, you, sovereign God, in control of all things, made me the way that I am, right? We might do that out of our own pride and arrogance. The Apostle Paul actually addresses this issue. It doesn't mean that you're going to like it or understand it, but he brings it up. And the book of Romans, we'll just read real quickly here. We're not going to do a big study on it. And he starts with 
Jacob and Esau. So let me just start with verse 11. For through the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that God's purposes according to his choice would stand, not because of works, but because of him who calls. It was said to her, the older will serve the younger. Just as it is written, Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. What shall we say then? There is no injustice with God, is there? May it never be. For he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then, it does not depend on the man who wills or the man who runs, but on God who has mercy. For the scripture says to Pharaoh, For this very purpose I raised you up, to demonstrate my power in you, and that my name might be proclaimed. Before I threw out the whole earth, before I finish with the last few verses, what is is the scripture saying to Pharaoh? It's saying your whole destiny was for this moment. That's that would be that's tough to that's tough to understand. Verse eighteen. So then, he has mercy on whom he desires, and he hardens whom whom he desires. You will then say to me, "Why does he still find fault? For who resists his will?" So here's the questions I was just asking, right? To kind of set the stage. Well, well, how can I be held accountable? I mean, who can resist the will of God? You know, what choice did Pharaoh have? Verse 20. On the contrary, who are you, O man, who answers back to God? The thing molded will not say to the molder, Why did you make me like this, will it? Or does the potter have a right over the clay to make from the same lump one vessel for honorable use and another for common use? What if God, although willing to demonstrate his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience vessels of wrath prepared for destruction? And he did so to make known the riches of his glory upon vessel of mercy which he prepared beforehand for glory. And I'm just going to stop there because we're not doing a study in Romans today. But that it is a biblical truth, one that can be hard to comprehend or accept or stomach, but it is a reality. God made some vestures for destruction and it's all part of his sovereign plan and rather than be like it's not fair I can't accept this my attitude about it is well it is the ultimate grace that God has made me uh, has given me the knowledge and heart to believe upon his son Jesus for salvation and obviously, I have a lot smaller, smaller role in that than maybe I realize. And maybe it just comes down to 100%. God decided before the foundations of the earth that he would show me grace and mercy, which is completely unmerited 
completely undeserved. Right? And when we enter into heaven, none of us are going to be able to say, man, I'm glad I did this, or I'm glad I did that. It's, wow, I don't belong here any more than anyone else. But praise be to God. There's a whole conversation to be had about that. I mean, books are filled with this discussion, and we just kind of scraped it a little bit there just to create some thought. All right, I got to continue on, run out of time. I'll read verse 4 again. The Lord hath made all things for himself, yea, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand join in hand, he shall not be unpunished. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged, and by fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues without right. A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A divine sentence is in the lips of the king, his mouth transgresses not in judgment. A just weight and balances are the Lord's. All the weights of the bag are his work. It is an abomination to kings to commit wickedness, for the throne is established by righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and they love him that speaketh right. The wrath of a king is a messenger's of death, but a wise man will pacify it. In the light of the king's countenance is life, and his favor is a cloud of the latter rain. How much better it is to get wisdom than gold, and to get understanding rather than to be chosen than silver. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He that keepeth his way preserveth his soul. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better it is to be of a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He that handleth a matter wisely shall find good, and whoso trusteth in the Lord, happy is he. The wise in heart shall be called prudent, and the sweetness of the lips increases learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life unto him that hath it, but the instruction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth, and abideth learning to his lips. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul, and health to the bones. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. He that laboreth, laboreth for himself, for his mouth craveth it of him. An ungodly man diggeth up evil, and in his lips there is a burning fire. A froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. By the way, in the King James, when it says froward, it means perverse. So you could say a perverse man soweth strife, and a whisper, meaning somebody who gossips, separateth chief friends. A violent man entices his neighbor and leadeth him into a way that is not good. He shutteth his eyes to divide froward things, perverse things. Moving his lips, he bringeth evil to pass. 
The hoary head is a crown of glory, if it be found in the way of righteousness. He that is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he that ruleth his spirit, then he can taketh a city. And here again, here's like the third or fourth passage to end Proverbs that deals with the sovereignty of God. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. Let me read that again. The lot is cast into the lap, but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. And that, my friends, is our study for this morning. I pray in the powerful name of Jesus that you've been blessed, that your hearts have been pierced, that uh, there's been some thought created within you that'll seek, that'll cause you to have hunger and seek more clear understanding of God and of his son, Jesus. Thanks for listening this morning. Thanks for your prayers. Thanks for your support. And Lord willing, I'll be back with you again on Wednesday. Peace and grace be with all of you. And until next time, God bless.